believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and today will be morning tea, um, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many, many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, and all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Just got a quick video that will sort of introduce our sermon today. I love my church. I love my church. I love my church. And through the course of being with these people week after week and sharing yourself with them and opening up, um, you draw closer, you know, to one another, but it also drives you closer to the Lord. And my relationship um, with God has changed significantly. knows what this is fence paling okay yep yeah, it's not it's not something else so it's it just it's um it's a fence paling and it's meant to represent a fence today so um so for those who don't have good imagination um like there's more than one up the front here there's, there's maybe even a sheet of these up here but it's meant to represent a fence and fence comes in all different shapes and sizes we have um, fences that sort of maybe protect your garden you have fences that are really high and you can't see over you you have even fences that you can see through like around the pool you have um, clear fences so you can see the kids fall over on the cement and go oh, you'll be right get up and so you keep going um, sometimes you've got fences like we have outside here and um, that are wire but they are see-through and in fact, we had the fence up here. I'm not sure who, so I can't really dob them in or anything like that. But they basically didn't realise we had a new fence for, for a while because they just drove past and we, they didn't actually see that we had a, a full fence out the front. But what's, what's the purpose of a fence? Pretty much spot on. Um, and growing up, I, um, my parents' place, um, we had, we've got, had a kind of a smaller front yard but a bigger backyard but our back fence actually was onto um, the local Catholic school at the time. So we actually had a gate, we had a low fence that we could jump over, and, but we also had a gate in the fence that we could go through so we could go up to the school oval, the school cricket nets, and, and one of my best mates at the time, he lived at right at the other end of the street. There's only 23 houses in the street, so often what we'd do, we'd go out our back gate, go up the street and in his um, yard he had a back gate as well so we'd go into his back gate and, and sort, of, um, sort of walk into his house but we had access to all those things through that gate over time though what happened other people started to come and use my parents place as a bit of a shortcut um, so they'd come through the school jump the fence, walk through our yard sometimes even walking through the garage and walking out the front so my dad, not particularly happy about that, he built a big fence out the back, he built another fence out the side, and the garage remained largely shut. So if you came through our yard, 
probably the only thing you do is break into our next door neighbour's yard and even they ended up doubling their fence as well. But still, people did try, and so the, gate, the, the big gate that was on the back fence became a lock gate on the back fence. And so even though it was still there, it wasn't as accessible as it was when I was kids because, as we said, gates are, offences are for two things. They are to keep things in. So at our place right now, our fences keep our dogs from terrorising the neighbourhood. Um, barking at anything that moves, they stay in our yard. They can only bark at what moves past our, our yard now. Uh, what was that? No, no, they, they, they terrorise by barking, and so they, they annoy the ear, um, is how they terrorise. Um, but, the, but also they keep things out. Um, so we, you, most people sort of, they might have um, a front yard that, like, um, maybe it's an, got a nice garden that, so everyone walking past can see it. But the backyard is for the family. The backyard is also sometimes... Um, it can get a little bit messier because people can't see it as much. It becomes something you're a little bit more comfortable with, but you're not comfortable with everyone seeing it. So it's like um, it's like when people come over to your place. You can come into the lounge room here. Don't go into those rooms there. Like, um, and so our backyard becomes sometimes a no-go zone. And today we're going to be talking about fences and a bit of the separation that they can cause. They actually have a separation between two spaces. And we're going to be continuing on this I Love My Church series. And, and this idea of fences are going to play a big part in what we're going to be talking about today. Um, because what we need to realise is that when there become fences within the community, when in our community, all of a sudden we might be able to say hi or talk through the fence to people, but there is something that can be separating us, something that actually gets in the way. Um, and like I know I've talked to neighbours over my fence and kind of can see their head and, and you can sort of talk to them, but it, it's not the easiest way of communication. And sometimes in the church, even though we are meant to be a community that has, are meant to be fence-free, we actually we, we happily exist with fences there because, one, it, it keeps people out of our backyard and it stops us from getting into their back. I don't really want to find go into the place where yeah, your messy backyard is, and I don't really want you into mine. So we'll, we'll communicate, we'll, we'll care for each other, but we'll have that fence in place. But what we need to realise is that Jesus actually came to break down fences. That's the, 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 the thing is, what we needed to realise is to begin with, there was actually a fence between us and God, something that separated us. So Jesus, know that Jesus crashed a fence. Um, before we even talk about how there are, can be fences between us, we need to sort of, I suppose, at least acknowledge that and work out to make sure we don't have a fence between us and God. Uh, in Hebrews 10:19 uh, to 22a, it says, "And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Um, by His death, Jesus opens a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place." And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. The author of Hebrews is, is actually reflecting on, um, I suppose, Old Testament practice of the high priest. And so just real quickly, so this is not the main part of today, the, the high priest was able to go after a lot of purification rituals. Um, so you think COVID stuff, 
a high priest had it really tough. So um, they would be going COVID. What's the big deal? Like um, they would have been fine with this. But they had to go through um, purification rituals before they could actually go into the Holy of Holies. But that was only one person. That was only one person could do that. And so, like, maybe we had to live vicariously through that person and say, hey, I know the high priest, or can you say a prayer for me? And I suppose that can be becoming reality. I don't know about you, but I, in my experience as a pastor and as a chaplain over the years, I've had people say, hey, you know God, can you pray for me? And I go, yes, I can, but you know you can pray to him too. There's access to, oh, no, he wouldn't want to listen to me. That kind of thing. So sometimes we think, well, maybe there is a, a bit of a blockage between me and God. But Jesus, we, what we see in Hebrews is that that blockage has been removed. Because of the blood of Christ, we can now enter boldly, fully trusting in God to be able to come into his presence. That fence has been knocked over. Jesus has crashed a fence. And, and so we actually see it even go further in the, in the book of Romans. And we look at Romans 3.23. It says, For everyone has sinned and we fall short of the God's glorious standard. That's basically saying there is a fence. That verse says there is a fence between us and God. Then Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because of that fence, we'll never get to God. Romans 5.8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for, while we were, yeah, for, for us while we were still sinners. God knew that we'd have a big fence even before we had our own backyard. He knew that was going to be in place. Um, Romans 10.9 and 10 says, And if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and is open, and by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. If we just admit we have a fence and we need it torn down, Jesus crashes the fence for us. He knocks it down. He opens up that relationship between us. And Romans 10.13, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. So Jesus never denies a fence-crashing job when he's asked. Everyone is open to come into this. But the problem is, see, we are born building fences. We are born sort of protecting stuff around our lives. Now, just so you know, so wives or, and or husbands or any, any teenagers, I'm not saying go rip down your literal fences at home today, okay? Don't go do that, saying, Pastor Keith told me to knock down the fence. Don't want to get calls about during the week about that, okay? I won't. I'll hang up on you on that one. So, but but the thing is, spiritually, we've been we were born building fences. Um, but it's only when we admit our failure that we and accept what Jesus has done that those fences can start coming down. And we we what we need to realise is that that barrier between us and Jesus has been crashed by the cross, and we need to surrender our life to Him and drawing near to Him in relationship. But also, we actually enter into community with him. So Jesus has broken down each of our fences. We begin to draw into community with him. And so then the community of God then starts to draw closer to each other as well. And so that becomes the second point. We need to allow others into our yard. We need to allow people into our yard. The thing is, the reality is when we gather, it's normally behind a fence. We've got a fence up. Some of us have got gates that we let some people through, but we've normally got a bit of a fence protecting us. As Jesus draws us into relationship, 
with him. There is no fence. And as he draws us in the community, God is there and it's meant to be no fence. The problem is, even though Jesus has knocked our fence down, we get back into a position where we want to rebuild our fence. We sort of go, oh, this is, we've got a special place for me and Jesus, but um, you can only go so far. I don't want you to come any further than that. So we actually put the fences back into place. We can be guarded by so many different things. So many things can sort of we can be guarded about. Um, and we can get to the point that we only want people to see the pretty parts of our yard. I, wanna, I only want you to see my life where I've got it all together, where everything's in control, where I don't have to worry. Um, and you know what? Some weeks that means people aren't even going to get through the front door of our lives. Because I don't know about you, but there are some weeks that there is not a single part of my life that's together. Like, I just sort of go, yep, I'm just going to go to sleep and wake up next Monday and hopefully it's all better. If, if, we, if we live in a way that people can only look at us, allow lives to engage with us when we're all okay, I think it's going to damage our relationships because we won't be in a place where we can be open with people. Um, so we keep building those walls. We keep careful tabs on, on the, what part of our yards people are allowed to walk in and we are so good at building fences. And last week we talked about we need to be intentional about loving our church and that doesn't mean that we love our church building. It's great that we're back in the building, but we don't love our building. We look after it, we do all those things, it becomes a tool for us, but that's not our church. It's not loving our programs. Even though our programs allow us to do different things, it's not about loving our programs, it is about loving our people. That is our church. That's how we love our church, and we need to be intentional about doing that. So what do we do? With the fences that we've all erected, myself included, it's hard to truly know how to love each other at times. Uh, Hebrews um, 10.25 says, Not forsaking our, our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, quick question for you. How often... Do you need to be at church? Don't have to answer it. The thing is, because sometimes we think that way, because sometimes we go, oh, how many Sundays do I have to to do before I get a B plus, maybe? And that's, I'm happy with a B plus. I'll get a C, C plus, C minus is probably, yeah, I'll I'll set it for a C minus. How many Sundays do I need to be there? How many events do I need to rock up at? And the thing is, I have seen churches that think that way and they talk to their people that way and they'll use that verse from Hebrews that way saying, you need to be at church because it shows how faithful you are, it shows how committed you are and if you are not there at those times, then yeah, you're, you're failing God, you're failing the church, you're failing as a Christian. The thing is, it's actually a totally wrong question to ask. It's a totally wrong concept and principle to follow through on. Because, again, it's about getting an attendance that I'm in control of, something that I can, sort of, I can show my commitment by doing that. But I know there are people that are 100% committed in a local church, showing up to all their events, and they are not walking with God. They're not walking with others, but they can say on their report card, look at how good I am. And when we look at Scripture, the people that we relate to that way are the Pharisees. They were self-righteous. So when I ask that question, how, how often do you need to be at church, it's, it's not something that we sort of need to grade. The problem is uh, we need to change our thinking about that. 
Acts 2.44 says, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they needed, everything they had. And so basically we see this desire from the church to want to be together. Now again, we, we live in, in, in different times. We've got people in this church who, we've got people all the way from Yapoon and the Caves and Gracemere. Sometimes gathering regularly with everyone is not possible. But again, there is an intent in the heart to say, we want to be together for the purpose of growing with God together. And that's why small groups, our engaged groups, become such an effective way of doing this. That's why finding places to serve with others become an effective way of doing this. And so again, it's, if you can't, and at the moment this year, like if you're sick a little bit on a Sunday, you can't be here. But it doesn't mean that we can't be together and, and moving together. It's not about attending. Because attendance means that an hour on Sunday morning, longer if the pastor goes too long, an hour on a Sunday morning is what church is. But if we say that it's not about that and it's about living in community, then we're the church seven days a week, 24 uh, hours a day. That's how, that changes our, our identity as a church and it changes the identity of our community. Community means that we don't build the fences though. Community means that we head below the surface. We want to go deeper with people. And so it means as we come in here, are we in, do we have the intention of letting people see a little bit more of me? Like, who struggles with that? Don't put up your hand because you'll give yourself away. But like, we, we, we come in here and we go, like, <laughs> sometimes we get to the point where we just, I've had a terrible week and I don't want people to know. And so we'll smile. Yeah, it's been good. And, and sometimes on the flip side of it, we get freaked out when we go, how's your week been? It has been terrible. Oh, so much bad stuff has happened. I'm about to cry. And we kind of step away. Okay, that's too deep, too fast. Um, I'll go get the pastor for you. No, it was the pastor saying that. So you think you're in trouble. <laughs> and you're in trouble. But the thing is, like... Yeah, sometimes we, we need to be we will, need to be willing to be that little bit more deeper, and we need to be let, letting people sort of go deeper with us. So, hey, you're actually letting me into your backyard. Well, this is exciting. Your backyard's a mess, but hey, I'm here with you. I'm in relationship with you. That's great. Community means authenticity. So when we smile and nod and fake it, that is not good for community. Okay, and. It, and all this, don't, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, but sometimes we, you might have some major stuff happening in your life and you can't tell everyone about that. That's okay. But don't shut yourself off from everyone. Um, again, engage groups become a great place for this because you can talk deeper as relationships grow in those places about what's really bothering, what's really going on in your life, how you're really going with God. And so find a place where you can do that within the church. Um, Community means standing in someone's yard and allowing them to stand in yours. Are you willing to do that, to say, okay, I want you to come over and, and, and be a part of my life and let me into yours? And there will be some awkwardness in that because, again, us in the West, we, have a, like we, 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 we protect and, and guard ourselves. We, we put up fences for that exact reason in a, in a physical sense to, to have these little zones of privacy where we're separated from the world. I remember um, when Elizabeth and I were first married, we lived in Forest Lake 
and all new houses, new estate, and, and, and we were renting there. And you basically would drive home and you would put the remote on the garage, drive into your house, and then you're in your house. All the houses had high fences. You never had to see your neighbours. You never had to see your neighbours. It was designed that way. You could be surrounded by people but not with any of them. We spiritually do that as well. And so we've, we've got to sort of be willing to, to do that uh, or to take those fences down and to, I suppose, be with one another. Who here remembers the show Home Improvement? So, like, some of the younger people probably go, what? Uh, great show, check it out. But there was a character from that show, um, um, Tim's um, next-door neighbour, Wilson, and nearly the entire series, this is all you saw of him. Um, oops. Um, there's a, there we go. So that's the picture you saw of him throughout the show. I think in the last episode, I've not actually seen this myself, but I read this morning, the last episode that he was in, you actually saw his full face. Um, but for the rest of it, and even there was a running gag to the show, you would run into him in, at the supermarket and he'd be looking through like the grocery shelves and all you would see was this part of his face. See, the, the tailors lived next door to Wilson for years, yet they never saw his face. And sometimes that's what it's like for us in the church. We sit in the chairs, we serve together, we may even enjoy a Bible study with one another, but we never see someone's whole face. We only get a glimpse of them from behind our fences. And so we go, John Doe um, is standing on the other side of his fence and maybe we see his face, maybe it doesn't really matter. At the end of the, the day, there is still a fence between us. I can't embrace him in a family tragedy. I can't really see what's happening over there and what difficulties are in his family. Defence impedes our community and we have to get into the yard to fully know someone. So, whose yard are you in? Who are you allowing into your yard? As I said before, we, our engaged groups become a great opportunity for that. Men's ministry, as we sit around the campfire next week, it is an opportunity to bring down your fences, to let people into the yard. Ladies' coffee is in two weeks' time. Again, a great opportunity to um, yeah, really pull down those fences. And I, I know some of you go, oh, but I'm shy. I, I, don't, I don't really like big groups of people. I don't. And really what you're saying is that I've got a fence and I want to keep it. God is saying, let's break down our fences. Let's break them down. Um, community is, is basically this. It's standing in someone's yard, and it means you stand in someone else's yard as well. As well. So it's letting them sort of stand in your yard and being willing to stand in them with them. Well, thirdly, this morning, um, so we, we allow people into our yard, but we actually want to enjoy, enjoy the company. We want to be able to enjoy people around us. Imagine going to a kid's birthday party or even an adult's birthday party, and, but kids' one sort of um, plays out a little bit better, but um, there might be a, a bag of potato chips on the table, there's some wheat cordial, and that's it. There's no games, there's no music, no balloons, no face painting, no dessert, no pin the tail on the donkey, um, nothing. What do you think most kids would respond in that kind of party? Just as you did right then, so you've got it, right, spot on. They'd be like, oh, this is boring, they'd eat the chips. They would still drink the cordial. Um, they'd still go, there is some sugar in this, I'm going to get as much as I can out of it. And then they would, be, they would start to fight or to whinge and moan because they would be bored. And we want to be able to enjoy each other's company. It would be one dull party 
and you'd think about leaving. In Acts 2.46, it says, They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Great joy and generosity as they met together. I'm not sure about you, but sometimes when people come over for dinner, it becomes more of a stressful time than a, and a relaxing, enjoyable time. But again, there's this idea, and, and Jesus actually, and when you actually read the gospel in light of this, the meal is a really intimate place. It's, it's actually something that I, I think because of the busyness of our lives, we, we kind of force food down our throat and don't take time to enjoy it as, as we can with others. And, and, but in the, in the culture that um, was here and, and in action, but also in Jesus' time, if you look at especially the Gospel of Luke, you actually see Jesus brings community and, and in essence brings his holiness to those around him by sharing meals with those around him. Like he had, had meals with people that were unworthy, like Zacchaeus, and let's go have a meal at your place. And really what Jesus was saying to the whole crowd is that I am wanting to get close to Zacchaeus. And even though Zacchaeus is a filthy tax collector, Jesus said, my holiness will not be infected by his sin. In fact, it will work the other way around. And so meals become this really intimate and enjoyable time. And again, it becomes something that um, it, it becomes a, can become a special moment. And we see that in Acts um, 2.46. They just shared those meals with, with great joy and generosity. But it does expand beyond meals. Like we should be able to come together and like enjoy our time together. We should be able to enjoy and celebrate what we celebrated today. We've, we've got people becoming Australian citizens. People got their driver's licence. We can enjoy when people get better and, and are healed. We, got, we can enjoy when people are able to come back and be as a church again. We can enjoy. The thing is... Coming together should be fun. And, and last week we spoke of going to the dentist. And, and sometimes, I don't know, like, I think church can be like pulling teeth. Like, we, we, we have that sort of sense of dread about it. Okay, Pastor Key's going to talk about something I don't want to hear today. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. How do, I, how do I sort of go, how can I? And I, I've done that with the dentist. I've just put my appointment back. I can really enjoy the dentist that way. Like, oh, your appointment was today. Oh, I can't make it today. How about we make it for the next six months? I can really enjoy ch- and the dentist that way. And sometimes we have that same little bit of a disconnect with church. Maybe we still show up, but we are withdrawn in our, in our connection. But church shouldn't be like that. We should look forward to being together, and it will help. It will help if we look forward to being amongst the people of God's church on the days when we are tired. Because I know when people are tired, oh, you know what? I'm going to stay home today. But if we look forward to being together, it'll actually motivate us through those tired times. It'll help on the days when we are busy. I've had a busy week, I've had a busy month, I've had a busy year, I've had a busy five years. You know what, today I'm just going to take a break from church. But again, hey, it'll motivate us if we look forward to being together. On the days when our lives are falling apart, that's a real tough one. Because sometimes there's those of us who, when life is getting really tough, what we want to do is go hide in a hole. But if we enjoy being together and we trust those around us, all of a sudden we go, even in the times that I am falling apart, this is the place that I need to be, among God's people. I know they'll love me. I know they'll care for me. I know they'll help me out. 
If we enjoy being together, it will overcome a lot of the reasons that we have for not being together. But it doesn't just happen. Uh, Hebrews um, um, uh, 10 verses 24 says, Let us consider how to stimulate or motivate one another to love and good deeds. So here the word is, let us consider, let's think about, let's like deliberate over ways that we can help others want to be together and serve God. See, a lot of us sort of go, it's just going to naturally happen. And all the things that naturally happen, happen instead. I, I naturally get offended. I naturally get too busy. I naturally got other things I want to do better. I, I naturally sort of go, you know what, it's really not for me. I naturally sort of think about myself rather than I think of others. That's what naturally happens. And so when the Hebrew says, let us consider, let us think about, let's be intentional about doing the things that will motivate the people in our community to love and good deeds. It won't just happen. We need to be on purpose about that. It's celebrating good times. It's sharing a meal. It's helping and, and, um, and those who are in need. And it's also asking for help in times when you aren't in, in need. Again, we have this independent streak in our lives where we will only ask a certain few people to help us out. But if there's a need in our life, hey, I need, you know what, I've broken my leg, I can't mow my lawn, can someone help me out? And, and the church can rush and help out and do that. The thing is, we don't want to put other people out. But we need to be intentional about saying, I need help. And the church needs a response, we will. It's about even enjoying serving together. Well, Scott's not here, but Harry is today. Like, I'm going I'm to sort of throw them in. in, in who can, who's noticed this over here? So this was done a few weeks before we were able to come back together. Now, Harry, did you enjoy your time doing this with Scott? The thing is, when I do stuff with have a similar passion, it actually grows community. Serving together in the areas where I'm gifted with others who are passionate, it actually grows community. It doesn't have to be always up the front. It doesn't have to be singing. It doesn't have to be... It can be all different kinds of things. It can be building a, a stage insert so that we can have a greater structure up here. In fact, I really noticed that during the time, um, and we've, we've been blessed a few times, we've had MMM come through and, and help out around our church. And one of the things I've noticed, they, 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 are, they are an older group of people, mostly um, retired people who have some skills in different areas. Our church have done a lot of painting. And the first time I think they painted, they gave three weeks to do it, but they got it done in two weeks. They had some long, they worked hard. But as they were doing that together, they, they would break for morning tea, they'd break for lunch. Um, the ladies would have a shopping day every um, Wednesday together. But these weren't people from one church. They were people that come together with the purpose of serving local churches and so serving God. In that service together, their relationships became really strong. They enjoyed their time together. They enjoyed working. They enjoyed their meals. They enjoyed travelling together. It became something that that's what it's meant to be like when we are go deeper in the community and we see the fences come down. In enjoying one another and helping each other to enjoy serving Jesus, we, in the time that we have to left to serve, is it becomes a major motivation. And these things, again, don't happen automatically. They happen when we consider how to make them happen. 
So I'm just going to suggest a few things that before we wrap up today um, that we can, we can do as a church family. First of all, we need to have healthy expectations. So even though I'm talking about bringing down our fences, don't rock up next week. Even don't do this at morning tea where you just like all of a sudden go, and your life just comes out on a plate. Sometimes we can overshare. We've got a few nurses in here. Nurses don't have a problem with gross stuff. And sometimes they'll share about stuff. We go, you know what? That wasn't a meal topic. That wasn't, that shouldn't have come out now. Sometimes parents can overshare, especially parents of young babies. Oh, that, my baby had this colour pearl. I don't really want to know. That's just, like, you, you can share with the other mums. You can, you can talk about that, but I don't really want to know that kind of stuff right now. And, but the thing is, sometimes emotionally and spiritually, we can sort of, I suppose, expose ourselves too much and too quickly. But it's something, it's a process that we need to be intentional in the direction of. And so maybe it's a challenge this week to go, do you know what? I'm going to share one thing that God has done in my life this week with one other person. You might want to go and go and share that with five other people. You, but have a sort of a healthy expectation of what you can do with that. And hopefully as that happens, you'll have greater connections, um, greater friendships, and some deep relations with a few people. These will take time, okay? They will take time. It will take trust. And again, trust doesn't happen automatically. So have healthy expectations as you bring down your fence. Realise baby steps are okay. Um, like So living with fences doesn't mean you're going to get every single person to know who you are. It doesn't happen that way. Some people will know you better than others. But the thing is, if you come into this place and you've got your fences up high and all around you, no one gets to know you. No one gets to know you. And so I really want to encourage you to, to start that process, to take some baby steps in that um, and let people... <coughs> Get to know something about you a little bit more each week. Get to know about what God is doing in your life. Get to know the things, the areas that you struggle. Get to know the things that you are passionate about. And so you can do that. But thirdly, something that we can do also is to take ownership. We, I see this quite often. I think we live in a way where we wait for other people to do something for us. I'm going to wait till they do something for us and then I'll respond in kind. Let's be different. Let's take some ownership. Let's take the first step. Let's show the initiative. Um, This is everyone's job. Okay? This is everyone's job. Not, um, and and it's not just, okay, I'll wait for the pastor to tell me exactly what to do at the right time. We all need to work. And if you are sitting down waiting for everyone to come to you, you're sitting in the wrong spot. You're sitting in the wrong spot. On a scale between 1 and 10, with 1 being the lowest and 10 being the highest, how much effort are you putting into connecting with others? What would you need to do to raise your number 1 from by 1 or 2 levels? Like get up to a 4, get up to a 5 to show the effort that you're putting in. And what can you do over the next few weeks to, to make that happen? What can you do to actually take some ownership of, of being a community? Again, who's missing here today and why are they missing? They may have a good reason, but wouldn't it be great to this week say, hey, we missed you on Sunday? Simple text. Maybe a phone call. Maybe drop in. Maybe drop in with coffee. Um, And that becomes something that all of a sudden they just feel loved. They just feel loved because you are thinking of them. The thing is, they might be going through something tough and they want someone to talk to. And you rock up on their doorstep with a, a cup of coffee in your hand and they go... I, I'm so glad you're here. 
this is what my week's been like. That's ownership. But that ownership will, will, will begin to create the community that God wants for us. And so those are the few simple steps that we can do to actually get to the place where we can basically break down our fences again. We can actually be open with one another. And the thing is, I know there are people sitting out here who are guarded because of pain that's happened in other churches. And, and, I, and I know it hurts. I, I, I'm not denying that, that at all. I know that we, we, we sometimes are guarded against certain people because of pain that we have felt. There, there might even be people out here who have been hurt by me. Okay? I, it may, may be happening in your life. The thing is, don't let something that happened prevent you from being open to a godly community. Because again, that, that's, that's, that's my heart. I want us to have a godly community. A community that is connected with God and in so we are connected with each other. And so there might need to be forgiveness happening. There might need to be forgiveness happening that the other person may not even know about so that you can move forward. But if you've locked, if you've welded your fence up because of hurt, let God just bring in the smash hammer and, and, and just knock it down. Don't let any reason prevent you from being in community as the way God wanted us to do. And so, yeah, I want to give you that challenge as you go into this week. Um, find ways of growing community. Take some ownership of that. Do something this week to increase your effort in being a part of this community. Um, if you're waiting for someone to do something for you, you may be waiting forever. But if you take that initiative, all of a sudden, everyone who does that is creating something new within our church. And all of a sudden, people go, oh, they've done that. I'm going to do that with someone else. And I'm going to do that with someone else. And all of a sudden, and that, that's, that's the verse that we read this morning from Acts. And the rest of the community noticed when the church was like that. And what was the response? Who can remember from the, at the end of Acts 47? What was the community's response when they saw the church being a godly community? Well, they were, daily, they were, were those who were added to their number. People were coming to know Jesus because they saw a community being in God's presence. That's what was happening. And again, that would be a great result. Not only having a loving community, but seeing a loving community draw others to Christ. Who wants that? Some of you aren't sure. Like, some of you still got your fences up. God, I don't want to, I don't want to put my, my fences up. I don't want to put my hand Who would like to see, who would, who would like to be more loved in this church? Some of you are still uncertain. Okay, I'm going, to, I'm going back to the start of my sermon. I'm going to go again. Um, so we'll do, we'll do it. Too. Okay, maybe who wants me to repeat my sermon? No. Okay, there we go. So I was just thinking if anyone put their hand up on that one. Um, but who would like to be loved more in this church? Okay. Okay, so okay, I'm going to take that to everyone. For that to happen. Okay, who would like morning tea? Okay, well, maybe, maybe your arms just don't work. Uh, maybe I need to ask a question. Okay, there's cash coming out of my pocket right now. Who would like no? Um, but uh, Jeff was really quick on that one. Um, but the thing is, if we want to be loved more in our church, we need to love more in our church. If we want the world to see a loving church, we need to love more in our church. And so it, it does come down to us as we grow in our relationship with God. And so today we want to love in community. Um, enjoy morning tea together. Enjoy a time of 
where we are able to just celebrate being God's church together um, and, and just celebrate that fact. Um, just going to invite our music team up. And as they're, as they're coming, um, this next song we're going to um, sing, I just want to draw, draw your attention to a couple of the lyrics um, in regard to what we've been talking about. Um, Okay, so the song we're singing is The Wonder of, of Your Love. And so in that, though, I'm going to... Um, so you inhabit the praises of your people. It doesn't say you, in, it, you inhabit the praises of a person. It's, it's actually plural. It talks about community right there. Um, um, in the, down there, it says, In the love of the Father, we will worship. We actually do it together. Um, and in the kingdom of God, we find our home. Um, then a sort of uh, in the second verse it says, together. Now, can you be together by yourself? Not well. Not, not well. Some people aren't all together at all. So, um, but the thing is, no, you can't be together by yourself. You've got to be together with at least one other person. So together, the community of the church will lift the name of Jesus. Together, we'll sing of your, your great love. We will join with the angels and praise you. May our voices be pleasing to you, God. And so this is a song of, of the community of God praising God together. And so may it be a, a challenge to you as you go into this week of, of loving in community. So let's just stand and sing the wonder of your life.